hope you guys are having a great year. How's it going? Three days in? Going okay? <clears throat> Max asked me on the way, we were in the car this morning, and he's like, Mom, if I want to talk about Thursday, do I really have to say last year since it was just 72 hours ago? He's a deep thinker, you know. And I'm like, you know, it is another year. It's a new year. And he's like, can I just say last week? So whatever you want to say last week, last year, we're three days in. Hopefully you guys are enjoying it. It's going to be a great new year no matter what we have in store. Um, if you're visiting with us today, either in person or online, we would love to connect with you. And the easiest way to do that is to fill out a connection card. And you can find that at mybethel.cc connect. And it's just a place for your name and a way for us to contact you so we can see how we can better serve you. So we would love to, to get to know you better. So three days in, we're going to start a new series today called Alignment. I know we've all experienced what it's like to be out of alignment. And today we're going to talk about what it looks like to get in alignment. We're going to be looking through the book of Philippians. And he's not done yet. Thank goodness, right? We're not done yet. God's not done yet. Wherever you are, you're not stuck. There's hope for more because God's not done. So let's get started on alignment. Good morning, Bethel. How you guys doing? Good to see you. Happy 2021. As people are trickling in, we have um, our new series starting today. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Philippians. There's a couple things that I want to encourage you to do over the next few weeks. First thing is, if you have an actual hard copy of, of Scripture, why don't you bring that with you? Uh, you may see some words or some verse you want to underline or highlight. And so I encourage you to do that because we're going to be in Philippians, so you don't have to guess where we're going to be. Uh, so for the next, uh, who knows how long, we'll be in the book of Philippians. So bring your uh, copy of Scripture. If not, we have uh, the live event, uh, which is a resource that you can get on your smartphone. If you go to the live event, there's actually, I put in some extra resources there for you to look at, maybe some extra there's some pictures or, or maps uh, for the study, and so if you will follow along in the live event, that'll be helpful as well. Uh, but this uh, this passage or this book on uh, Philippians, written to the book uh, to the church in Philippi, is a book about alignment. And so we're going to be talking over the next uh, few weeks about aligning our lives with what God has for us for 2021. And I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited that you uh, took this opportunity to be here. Um, I don't know if you've ever been out of alignment, but back in October, I got to take my family on a trip. Uh, we took them to Six Flags, and I hadn't been in 25 years, so I was just as excited as they were. And all the rides, and, and of course, when you get older, it's maybe not as fun, but I took all the, I went to all the easy rides. I went to, you know, Mr. Freeze, which is very smooth, and I went to the Superman uh, Tower of Power, which you drop, and then uh, Batman the ride, and then there was one called pandemonium and then harley quinn and the joker and the titan the the texas giant i was like i'm not going to the texas giant but there's a new texas giant they did away with the old texas giant so i was like okay the new texas giant so we did that and i didn't expect that the second day that we went to the park is the one that would actually get me so we went around looking at different rides and christy's like there's this ride that i rode when i was a kid we need to go on it and i was like okay so we stood in line uh, forever for this ride and it was actually uh, it was called um uh, where's it got judge roy scream has anybody ever done that? So, terrible ride. Um, I actually should not have gone on that ride. 
because it's got some drops and turns and it's made of wood and it's clack, 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 and all that stuff. And it messed me up. And so um, I got off the ride and I was like, oh, my neck hurts and my back hurts. And I'm walking around the park like this, kind of limping around. And for a solid month, month, I was just like out. I was out of alignment. I had neck pain. My, my chiropractor actually said that I think she thinks I had a micro tear in my neck, uh, maybe from one of the turns or something. But I started going to the chiropractor, trying to get adjusted, trying to get my body back in alignment. And then the whole month of October, I was in pain going into November. You might as well delete November because I had a ear infection and all that stuff that kind of set me on a path to get COVID. And of course, I had the COVID about, you know, stepped into eternity, which, hey, I didn't. So here I am. But so, you know, October, November, you might as well delete. And I think maybe you've experienced that. I don't know if you've ever had something to where you feel like something's off. Maybe something's missing. Maybe something's out of whack. Something is out of alignment. Anybody experienced that? Okay, so we've all experienced that. Now, 2020 was the specific year that we were all trucking along on the, the smooth Mr. Freeze ride. And then for some reason, someone switched us to Judge Roy Scream, and it was like, I didn't choose this. I didn't want this. I didn't sign up for this ride. And boom, it took us out, and, and maybe we thought we were going to be further along than we actually are. But I think 2020 taught us that we need to be in alignment, in dependence. We need to also realize that we cannot control what's going to happen and what, what comes. So we got to make sure that we approach 2021 maybe different than we approach 2020, kind of like going to the chiropractor. The reason you go to a chiropractor is to adjust and to put ourselves in align, alignment for health. No matter what you think about chiropractors, uh, there are some positive outcomes to using therapy like that. Now, alignment, what is alignment? Alignment's in everything we do. Okay, uh, the reason there are lanes on the road is to keep people in line. Okay, if you step over the line, what happens? You might get in a wreck, you might get in trouble. Everyone today used alignment when you put your clothes on. Because if you have buttons, you had to like make sure the buttons lined up. When I was a kid, they were always off. And so alignment is getting everything up. And then your zipper, right? If one of your teeth is missing in your zipper, you just can't even get your pants up. And you're blaming that zipper, but it's probably December is what you're blaming. Can't get that zipper up, right? I mean, it could be. But there, alignment is something that we all use every day. A car, if it's out of alignment or if it's off, it will actually wear out a tire. Have you ever seen a tire on a car that's out of alignment? And it's completely rubbed off. And so my, I went to my brother's house. He said, yeah, I need to change my tires. I was like, okay. And he goes, yeah, something's wrong with this tire. I mean, it was completely, the metal was coming through. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? And he goes, it's been a while since I fixed my tires. And I was like, yeah, you need to make sure that you're in alignment. You need to make sure you check. Because what happens is if we're out of alignment, our other parts will get worn out. They're going to overcompensate. So when I stepped off the ride and I was out, I was trying to overcompensate with this side. And then I got my leg started hurting, my arm, neck started hurting. That's the way this goes. This morning, we're actually going to embark on a journey in the book of Philippians. Uh, Philippians, a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. And this church was a church that was very dear to him. And so this is a very um, encouraging and a very positive love letter to the church at Philippi. Uh, we're going to embark on this journey because I think 2020, many of us maybe have high hopes and expectations or maybe we're kind of cynical and kind of thinking that it's going to be just the same old, same old. We may have to walk through vaccinations or possibly a new wave of viruses or natural disasters, government changes that are going to happen. Crazy weather. I mean, three snows in a short amount of time in Oklahoma. That does not happen. It's amazing. So I was talking to somebody today and they're like, yeah, everywhere we go, it snows. And I was like, it's your fault because I enjoyed it the first and the second time. And then the third time I enjoyed it, but it's still here. Family drama, personal battles, relationship turmoil, anything else that can be that Judge Roy scream turn, this year will probably have that. But one thing that I'm convinced about, 
And one thing that I can count on is that God, he is in control, and who, what he started in you and what he started in me, he actually will finish that work. No matter if it's today, tomorrow, in 20 years, he will finish the work because that's what he's promised to do, and he will not stop until it's finished in your heart. He will not stop until it's finished in your life because he will not leave things undone. He will not leave us halfway. He will not abandon us no matter how wild and how crazy things get. He will do it. Many have said he's got it, and it's true. He has it. And so in that context, we're going to get into the book of Philippians. And before we jump in, I need to give you some background, some history of the book, because it's important to understand the context in which Paul wrote this book. The letter was written between the year A.D. 60 and 62. So in the first century, this book was written in the early days of the church and the early days of Christianity. Paul wrote this book from prison. He was in Rome, and so Paul was a great missionary uh, man. He was a church planner. He was called of God to actually start churches. If you remember his life, Paul was a man that was on a path to destroy Christianity. God appeared to him and chose him to be in the ministry to start churches. And so that's a transformative life. So if you think God can't do that with you, he can do that with you. And so if you're watching online and God, you say, God doesn't have anything to do with me, he actually will. He will interrupt your life, and he will change the course of your life. He did that with Paul. The church at Philippi was actually started by Paul on his second missionary journey. And so what made a missionary journey is Paul left Jerusalem, and he went around Asia, and then he came back, and then he went around the Middle East, and then he came back. And his goal was to get to Rome. His goal was to get to Europe, get to Spain. He wanted to go all the way to the coast, and this church was the first church planted in Europe. Uh, he actually was a trailblazer. He was a church planner. The church at Philippi in Europe was a, a, a powerful church that began to transform all of Europe. Paul started the church at Philippi in about 51 AD in the first century. It was actually a colony from the Roman Empire, and it was colonized by generals that served the emperor, that served the Caesar. And so Roman generals established the colony, and so it was a Roman colony in Europe. And this is Philippi. The church at Philippi also had strong female leadership. Uh, one of the things that I love about our church is we have a lot of women that are strong. We have a lot of women that are very wise, a lot of women that are in leadership, because once we take anybody, men or women, out of leadership, we're going to have an imbalance. We're going to be out of alignment, because God gave us both men and women in order to see things from perspective and lead the church. And this church was no exception, actually had strong female leadership. We'll see that in the coming weeks. This strong actually had deep divisions. And actually, the strong female leaders kind of rose up. We'll see that in a couple chapters. And they were fighting with each other. And part of this letter was Paul saying, hey, we need to get along. This was the warmest letter that Paul ever wrote, one of the most personal letters that Paul wrote as well, in spite of the rough start in Philippi. If you go to Acts chapter 16, this is kind of homework for the week. If you go to Acts chapter 16, it's a quick read going where he calls and, and gets Timothy to work with him. And then they go into Europe and they go into Philippi and they actually get thrown into prison. Paul and Silas get thrown into prison. At the end of the chapter, the Philippian jailer, this guy that held him captive, gave his life to Christ. And so in spite of all the turmoil, this was very, very personal, and he had a great affection towards the people at Philippi. Uh, this letter is a letter of alignment. All of it points to chapter 2, which we'll get to in a few weeks. It all points to Jesus. It all points to him and putting our lives under him. But in the first verse, it talks about Timothy. It talks about Paul and Timothy. So who was Timothy? Timothy was like a protege. He was like an apprentice to Paul. Um, he followed Paul. He had a mixed ethnic background. He was 
His dad was Greek and his mom was Jewish, so he understood ethnic diversity and he understood two different cultures. Uh, he was a mixed race man, and so Paul was his mentor. He entrusted him with many, many important assignments. Actually, during this letter, Paul sent Timothy as an ambassador to Philippi because he couldn't go himself. He was in prison. Paul wrote two letters to Timothy that we get in Scripture, which is First and Second Timothy, real easy to remember. And those two books were specifically to Timothy as a leader, as a bishop, as an overseer of the church. Um, he was the main troubleshooter uh, for Paul, uh, dealing with problems in the church. He would go to Ephesus, he'd go to Philippi, he'd go to Jerusalem, and he would relay the information back to Paul. Uh, he became the pastor finally at the church at Ephesus. So let's jump into Philippians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, let's turn there. If you have your smartphones, let's get on the live event and we'll follow along together. But before we do that, I'd like to pray and ask God to direct us and God to guide us on our journey through the book of Philippi. So let's pray. God, this morning, we, in spite of all the unknowns and the uncertainty, we want to quiet ourselves and we want to hear from you. And God, as we read the first part of the book of Philippians, we, we need to hear from you. God, I'm grateful that you're not done with us. I'm grateful that you're still working and your, your process of molding us and building what you're building in us is still ongoing. I got to pray that today it would be an encouragement to our hearts and that we would hear uh, divine direction from your Holy Spirit. God, thank you so much for your word and men like Paul that took time to be inspired by the Holy Spirit and that we would have scripture that we can rely on and see how you work. We can see the humanity of Paul and the humanity of the church and, and the reality of the believers there. God, I pray for alignment. I pray that our lives would align with you and that our line, lives would align with Scripture. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Philippians chapter 1, let's look at verse 1. It says right there in verse 1, This letter is from Paul and Timothy, which we already introduced to them, slaves of Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, I'm writing to all God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church, leaders, and deacons. And so Paul and Timothy actually identified themselves in the first line of Scripture as slaves to Jesus Christ. And I think when we see this word, English isn't quite translated from the Greek as, as well as we'd like it to be. And so we need to understand what Paul was saying in this moment, because he wasn't an obligatory slave. It wasn't like he was coerced into doing it. He actually chose to give his life to Jesus. He chose to be a bond servant. And so he willingly came to Jesus, and he gave his life to him, and he allowed himself to be ruled and controlled by him. He was a slave under authority of Christ. And so a bondservant was a servant by choice, not by force. And so Paul is identifying himself as a voluntary subject to the master, to Jesus the master. They both identified themselves as slaves to Christ. And then he turns to the believers at Philippi and he says, you guys are holy people. Now, if you look at this word holy, a lot of us think, well, that's not me. I'm not that. I'm not a saint. I'm not holy. Actually, Jesus calls us who are his followers, the people that follow him. He calls us holy. He calls us saints. He calls us separate. He actually calls us servants. And so when he says the holy people in um, Philippi, he's actually talking about them, identifying them as servants, as slaves to Jesus as well. And so he starts off with him, him and Paul, uh, Paul and Timothy being slaves. He starts with the people being slaves. He says who belong to Christ Jesus. And then at the end, he says, including the church leaders and deacons. These words here, specifically leaders, is a word for overseer or episkopos or a bishop. This is someone that oversees or governs the ministry. And then he says deacons, these are the servants in the church. Now, these two uh, positions or these two people that are identified here actually are also under authority. A pastor, a bishop, a deacon, a person that oversees is in charge 
is not anybody separate. Actually, they are the first to submit to Christ, just like Paul. He said that he is an overseer and he submits to Christ. And that's exactly what we should do here at our church. You're, as your pastor, I am not perfect. I need to submit to Christ every single day as the chief person to submit to Christ and then allow you guys to also submit to Christ, not to me. You need to submit to him because he is the one who rules and he is the one who governs. He starts his letter by identifying himself as a slave and he identifies himself with the leaders and the servants there in the chapter. He was a leader because he started the church, and he was a slave because he was a master to Jesus Christ. Verse 2, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make requests for all of you with joy. Paul is obviously in love. He has obvious affection for this church in Philippi. He's filled with joy and gratitude every time he thinks about them. He, he is writing a letter to friends, to people that he had locked arms with, to people that he had done battle with, to people that he had actually argued with, and the people that he had actually had conversations with to encourage them to follow Jesus. It's a, it's a letter of motivation. And so whether, as we're reading through this letter, it hurts or it offends or it seems harsh, we need to remember that in the context, this is a friendly and an encouraging letter. This is a letter to motivate us to follow Jesus, a letter to encourage us to find and follow Jesus. And what I would ask is that over the next few weeks, as we listen, as we, as we dig into Scripture, that we would be open in our minds for an adjustment. We'd be open in our minds for an alignment with what Scripture says for our lives. Proverbs 27, 6 says that the wounds of a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. It's better for a friend to tell you the truth even if it hurts, then for someone you don't know, just to tell all sorts of good things about you. If anybody that you don't know begins to shower you with uh, compliments and flower, flowering you, they're probably selling you something. So you probably should back away. It's a friend that'll tell you the truth, and even though it hurts. And so as we're reading through this letter, Paul is going to say some hard things, but it's all in the context of love, and it's all in the context of aligning our lives and the lives of the church in Philippi with Christ. Verse 5. It says, for you've been my partners. If you have your, your Bibles, just kind of circle that word partners because the word partner is really, really important. It says we're partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Ministry can never be done alone. We can't do this alone. The church is not just about one person. The church is about the body coming together and working together. It takes the whole body to share the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news actually changes us and transforms us. It's a journey that sets us on a new course and when we understand it, we can't help but be transformed, just like the life of Paul was transformed. And he said, so, so you're my partners as we spread the good news of Christ, even from the moment you first heard it. Verse 6, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Love this verse. This is a verse you should commit to memory, should memorize it, should recite it to yourself, especially when things get difficult, because it says here that God, who began the good work within you, will continue to work until it is finally finished. And then remember the last part, it says, when Christ Jesus returns. Guess what this is? This is a lifelong pursuit. No one gets too far away from the process. No one can skip out of God's plan for your life, even though you make choices out of alignment. God's work that he started in you will be completed no matter how far or how long it takes. 
You need to look through scripture over and over again of characters that tried to run away from aligning with God and God always found them and he always brought them right back into alignment. And that's what he's doing in your life. This may be where you are in your life because the, the thing that he started in you is, his, is your impact for this world, your purpose for, for your life. It may seem like you're not getting anywhere. It may seem like you're just spinning your wheels. It may seem like nothing is moving or nothing's making a difference in your life. But God, who began a good work, it's a good work, in you, will finish it. He'll complete it. He'll continue to do the work until it is finished. We need to realize that. We need to realize that God is not done with me. And so this year, 2021, if you want to reset and say, 2020, I don't want to throw it away, 2020 had a purpose to align us to God's purpose and God's will for our lives. Some of you are here because of 2020. And so we can't ignore the bad along with the good. You will not make it today. You'll not make it tomorrow. But you're on your way. The confidence that we place in God the Father to complete the work that he started in us actually reveals our faith in him. Let me say that again. The confidence that we place in God the Father to complete the work that he started in us reveals our faith in him. And so if I have a relationship with God and if God has shown me who he is and awakened me to a spiritual reality in my life, if he's done that, he's began a work in my life, and no matter what happens along the way, he will actually complete the work. And if I believe that and I follow that process, no matter how many times I fall down, then it shows the faith that I have in him. We're a work in progress. That means that we have to trust the process. That means that we have to be aware of our incompleteness. That means that we need to understand our value in the Creator's hands. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, actually wrote in Ephesians 2.10 that we're his masterpiece, that he's creating for good works. And a lot of times we look at ourselves and we say, ugh, I don't like that masterpiece, it's a Picasso. But God is still refining and he's still working out the rough edges because he's not done with you. This means that we have to understand our value. We need to understand that we live by faith in the one who is working in us. This means we have to give ourselves a break every once in a while. This means that we're not perfect. This means that we're on our way. I want you to turn to your neighbor on one of your sides and say, you're on your way. Don't leave the other side off. Go to the other way and say, you're on your way. Now look behind you. You're on your way. Look in front of you. You're on your way. If you're watching online, you're on your way. We're not done. And so if we think that somehow we've arrived, I'm 40, 43 to be exact. And I thought by 40, I would have it all figured out. Guess what? I'm still on my way. I still haven't figured it out. My father-in-law, he's arrived. <laughs> but we're on our way because we think there's this perspective and this perception that the older we get, the more we're going to have it figured out. The truth is the older we get, the more we realize our need for something greater than ourselves. And the older we get, the closer we get to Jesus, the more we realize how lost we really are. We're not done yet. You're on your way. No matter how much work you need done, no matter how much work your spouse needs done, no matter how much work your kids need done, no matter how much work Bethel needs done, God will complete it. God will finish it. He started it, and he will finish it. And so we'll make it, not because of anything we've done, but we'll make it because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Jesus actually finished the job. He finished his life. He did well. 
And I think what it is, is we look at our own lives, and I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I start projects and I don't finish them. And I get to 50%, 60%, 70%, I'll do that later. The other day, Christy and I made this Christmas puzzle, and we started it, got the edges, and I left. And in my mind, I was like, I'm going to finish that later with Christy. I came home, and she put the last piece in, and I was like, I, I wanted to be a part of that, and I wasn't a part of it. That's exactly how life is, because if we don't finish it, if you come to my office, my office is a mess, not this office, my home office is a mess. Don't come to this one either. I'm, I'm lying to you. This one's a mess too. Here's the problem is I say, oh, I'm going to clean this up and this is going to be nice. It's a work in progress. And every once in a while for a day, I'm like, ah, and then it's just a mess again. It's part of the work that's happening to get things done. But here's the difference between you and here's the difference between me. When God starts something, he finishes. And so that thing that he started in you, he's actually going to finish. He's going to bring it to the end. God will finish it. Verse 7, so it is right, so based on all this that he said so far, it's right that I feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with tender, com the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Isn't it amazing that Paul is writing so candidly to this church? that he's about to walk through some difficult things with, and he's saying, hey, I love you guys so much, and I, I just think some such good thoughts about you. And here's the thing, in, in the, Roman, uh, the day of the Roman Empire, when a prisoner was in prison, they didn't feed him three meals a day. He had to actually have outsiders come and feed him. And if no one would have come and fed Paul, he would have not eaten. And his church in Philippi took it on themselves to make sure that he in prison was going to be taken care of. Can you believe that? They took a personal responsibility for Paul to be fed while he was in prison. And so he says, man, in my imprisonment, but then also in defending the truth of the gospel, that Jesus is who he says he is, that the good news transforms people's lives. This was the partnership that they had with him. And he said, God knows how much I love you, and I long for you with tender compassion of Jesus Christ. It's natural for us to have affection for the things and the people that we spend our time with. It's natural for us to gravitate towards the people that we spend the most time with and love because we have to choose wisely who we give our time and what we give our time to. The church at Philippi was a partner with, with Paul. They actually put their money where their mouth was. They put their affection where their mouth was, and Paul did the same back to them. They made sure that he was cared for, and they made sure that he would, they were defending the truth of the gospel. Verse 9, I pray that your love. So he's talking about this original love, about this affection. Your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. There's three words that I just want to point out in this passage. You can underline them or, or circle them in your Bibles, but it says the, the first word is love. I pray that your love will overflow. In the original language, there are three types of love, and this love is a sacrificial love. This is the agape love. This is the love that only is available if you know Jesus. It's something that Jesus transforms in your heart. It's a deeper love for the people around you. It makes people that are strangers family because it is something that only Jesus can do in your heart. And so this love, agape love, is something that is sacrificial. And he said, I want this love to keep overflowing from you as you experience a relationship with Jesus. And then he says knowledge. A lot of us think this is schooling. This is not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about actually the ethical knowledge and divine knowledge and understanding of him. Not just information, but true knowing. It's an intimate knowing. And then understanding, this last word, understanding. It's a discernment. It's a perception. It's more than just your mind. 
It's actually interacting with people and, and, and understanding and discerning that there's something different going on. And so when Paul talks about love and he talks about knowledge, and he talks about understanding, he's pointing to the fact of something that really matters. What really matters? I think we get so wrapped up in things that don't really matter, and Paul is reminding us that there's just some things that don't matter. There's things that do matter. So what really doesn't matter, and I don't want to step on your toes, I don't want to make you mad, forgive me, this is all out of love, but you know what really doesn't matter? Your favorite sports team. It just doesn't matter. You know why? It just doesn't matter. Win or lose. You know what else doesn't matter? Toilet paper, how you hang it, up or down, top or bottom. Ooh, it ticks me off when it's the wrong way, but it doesn't really matter. You know what else doesn't really matter? What kind of vehicle I drive. You know what else doesn't really matter? Fighting over wearing or not wearing masks. Oh, it doesn't matter because this will pass. So if you wear a mask, awesome. If you don't, awesome. It doesn't really matter. In the end, it doesn't matter. You know what else doesn't matter is which political party's in charge. It doesn't matter. You know why? Because God is in control of everything. He's the king. He's above everything. And he's the one who puts people in place. We may not like it. We may not see what's going on. But you know what? God is in control, and all I need to do is submit to him. Paul is taking, talking about this process of God actually finishing the work in us, and sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's things that we don't like. This actually matters. Our eternal destination matters. The eternal destination of our community matters. You know what really matters is our soul. That matters more than anything else. Verse 11, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. As we read through Philippians, I want you to understand that our story is connected to his story. Our story is connected to the Father's story. Our, our story is connected to Jesus' story. We're not just living a life in isolation or disconnected from something greater than ourselves. We're actually living out our lives connected to the great tapestry of God's love story to humanity. Everything happens for a reason, and God is using all circumstances, the good and the bad, to produce in us the fruit of redemption in Jesus. It's his story, and us 2,000 years later is still connected to his story. It's far greater than ourselves. My goal in this life should be aligning myself with his story. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but we need to live our lives and see our lives as a reenactment of Jesus' life here on earth. And you're like, well, that's kind of crazy. He was God. I know. But he left us a path to follow. He said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And if we will follow his path and live our lives as a reenactment of his life, our communities would change, our lives would change, and our families would change. Do we see our lives as a reenactment of Jesus? If you're building a life on anything else, please consider Jesus. If you're trusting anyone else but Jesus, please consider Jesus. If you're in the dark and you're alone, please consider Jesus. If life seems too overwhelming and storms seem to never cease, please consider Jesus. If, you're, if you feel weak, he is strong. If you're lonely, he is closer than you think. If you're overwhelmed, he is peace. Please consider Jesus because an encounter with Jesus is extremely and deeply personal, but it is very transformative. We see it over and over again in Scripture, and I've seen it over and over again in your lives. When we meet and encounter Jesus, our lives can never be the same. Please consider Jesus. Do not face this life without him. Please do not take another step without him being the center and the focus of your life. And Paul is saying, listen, he started it, and he's going to finish it. 
And if you haven't considered Jesus, may today be the day you consider. And you step over the line and say, yes, I want to identify with Jesus. Because here's the thing. Whether you're currently, or you were, or you're going to be, all of us are going to be on Judge Roy's green. And it's going to drop, and it's going to turn, and it's going to hurt us. 2021, we have different expectations, but you never know. But if I take a step, and I say, you know what? I'm going to be in Jesus because he started to work in me. Guess what? You will make it. You need to step forward because he's got it. And don't look back. Don't look back. Because the work that he started, he will complete in you. Let me pray for you this morning. God, this morning we are in awe many times of what you do. Many times we don't even like it. God, there's so many things that happen that take our breath away and leave us in pain and leave us hurting. And yet, this says today that whatever you started in us, you're going to complete. No matter how far I run, you're going to find me. No matter how distant you feel, you're right here. God, my prayer is that we would align our lives with Jesus and that if there's someone that is listening to my voice and has never, ever stepped over into a relationship with Jesus, that today would be the day that the longing in their heart and the desire and the, the calling of the Spirit would be so real that they would step into life. Paul says that you've started it and you're going to finish it finally. And it's a lifetime of work. God, but what a joy and the overflowing love and the knowledge and understanding of what really matters, who you are. God, I pray that today our church, Bethel Community Church, would be a church of alignment, a church that understands clearly who you are and can express with joy who you are. And God, we wouldn't just stay comfortably where we are, but we would step out and actually go to where people are and bring them into a relationship with Jesus, take the saving message to them, not wait for them to come to us. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for that day that you called us. God, we don't want to build our life. We don't want to build our church on anything else. You're our rock. You're where we start, and you're where we finish. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for that day that you were obedient to the Father and stepped up to the cross, took all our sin and our shame and death and hell in the grave, and God, you took it upon yourself. You became sin for us. And when you died, you rose. God, because of that, we have hope. Because of that, we can be confident that the work that you started in us, you will complete it. And you'll finish it. And it'll be well done. God, we love you. We thank you so much for that day. Now help us build our lives on you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing together? You guys can be seated. Isn't it comforting to know that we're not stuck where we are? Like wherever we're in, whatever thing that's going on, we're not stuck there. God is working on it. He's working in us and there's a plan and we're gonna get through it. And uh, I think when you start a new year, you kind of start, have these ideas and goals and things in mind, which are great. You know, it's great to have health plans and uh, exercise plans and all that, but it's in Christ alone. That song we just yeah. sang, He's the one who's going to complete us. So it's him alone that we need to focus on right. as we start this new year.
Well, I think many of us want to have a goal. And so like a couple years ago, I had a Bible reading goal that I was going to hit all my streaks and I was going to get to like 900 and something, you know, 900 days without missing scripture. And I got to like day 400 and something. It was actually Christmas day, 2019. And I missed it. And I was like ticked. (laughs) And I was like, now what? I'm not going to read my Bible anymore. You know, toss that. It's it's more important to have a direction than a goal. Because a direction keeps you on path, whether you mess up or fail, you just get right back up and start over again. And right. so you directional, like the word system. I like system, yeah, but direction, like directionally a system, system yeah. Because otherwise, you lose the ten pounds, and then what? Now what? And then you gain Go it back. Go eat ice cream. Yeah, do yeah, it again. You know. Right. And I think a lot of us in our spiritual lives, we make decisions like that. We're like, okay, I have a goal to do this. Well, then now what? When you get there, so let's have a direction. Let's have a system, right. and that's this year. Maybe you can start a Bible plan with your friends. Right. And so accountability with your friends or uh, maybe say, okay, this week I'm going to try to have a spiritual conversation with somebody and uh, just throw it out there and try to have a conversation. And whether it feels uncomfortable and awkward, just start the process and and we'll get there. And this song, which is saying evidence, reminds me of something I've been trying to do this year and I hope to do better and continue is write it down. Um, when you see the evidence of God somewhere, we think, oh, I'm never going to forget this. That was an amazing encounter. Like, I don't know if you've ever had something, like you're in the store or something, and you're like, well, that was God. Like, you were able to encourage someone, or they encouraged you, and it was just so obvious that God was there. But we forget it. We have a bad day, and we can't think of anything good. And so if we write those things down, when God shows up, when we see him, when we see his evidence, write them down, and then when we're discouraged, we can go back and look at that. Okay, yep, remember that day? Yes, I do. He pulled me out of that. He provided (laughs) here. He did it then. He'll do it again. And so that has been helpful for me to get it, to write it down, and to go and look at those things that he's done. So, I don't know, we think we'll never forget it, but I right. do. And it I says, do. why should I fear? I mean, in the, in the end, when, it's, when we want to follow Jesus, it's actually a dangerous thing. A lot of people think, oh, it's the best thing in the world. Well, it's dangerous. If you know more about Philippians and Philippi and Paul being in prison, it's because he was following Jesus. Yeah. And so when we begin to follow Jesus, we think, oh, why should I fear? Actually, there's a lot to fear. And you've got to take the step, you know, because we don't have to worry about it. He's on our side. He started something. He's going to finish it. And let's step forward. 2021 is going to be awesome. He's finishing it, not us, I know. right? I know. Because uh, we've made so many mistakes that we know that he's the one in charge. And he's yeah, if you need to make any spiritual decisions, we're here to help you with that. We don't have all the answers, but we know who does. And so if you have any decisions or any kind of anything that you need to work through, we're here for you. Uh, Pastor Ruben and, and everybody else that's here, man, we're here for you. And so we want to be on your side. 2021 is going to be an awesome year. Yeah. Uh, let's step forward and let's get an alignment. It's going to be great. Next Sunday. And yes, next Sunday we have baptism. So the baptism will be set up. So yes. if that's something that you're like, you know what, I've never done that before, or I have done that, but I feel like I'm in a different place now. That's something God's been talking to me about. We would love to talk to you through that, um, and we would love to yep. answer any questions you have about baptism. So scripture talks about Jesus. He actually was baptized himself, and so he didn't need salvation. He was the Savior, uh, but he was showing us a way. And so part of the way that we follow Jesus, identifying with him, aligning our lives with him, is through baptism. And so it's a public declaration. This is what God's doing in my life, and I want everybody to know it. And so it's a great way to do that. So next Sunday, the 10th, right. uh, it's going to be a great Sunday to, to actually identify with Jesus and align your life with him starting out 2021. Right. Okay. Well, here we go. New year, new us. Let's see what God has in store for us. And just because it's a new year doesn't mean that the reason Bethel exists has changed or will change as long as he has us here. um, We exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. So you guys have a great week. Love you guys. Have a great week.